Hello, welcome to the Pretty Deadly Podcast. I'm Susie Colick, the creator of Pretty Deadly Self-Defense, a self-empowerment program through self-defense. I'm a storyteller, a violent crime survivor, and a martial artist. I've used these experiences to develop a program that's tailored for the way women actually learn, the things we actually face, and that's actually fun. Well, I think it's fun. We do too. These are some of our Pretty Deadly Self-Defense Certified Trainers. Hi, I'm Serena. Hi, I'm Shelby. And I'm Marilise. They're in LA, and I'm in Berlin. And there are a lot of miles between us. So what do you do if there isn't a Pretty Deadly Self-Defense course near you? Well, we put some basic techniques in an app. Which you can download from our website, prettydeadlyselfdefense.com. But we thought it would also be a good idea to take some of the self-defense questions we're most frequently asked and put it in a podcast. Welcome to the Pretty Deadly Self-Defense Podcast. We're on season four, episode 57. And this week we're talking about bro culture, martial arts, and the problem with Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I do want to touch on the BJJ thing because... Because BJJ bugs the fuck out of me. <laughs> BJ, BJJ people. And, and there's a really, so there's two really specific reasons. No, there's really just one specific reason why. So, and, but it ties in all that bro culture stuff. So we'll see. Because I've seen other dojos and I've walked into other dojos, which are very, very bro dudish you know like we're really masculine we're really like we're we're taking the budo really seriously but at the same time we're also really proving how tough we are um and women are in danger in those environments often unless women start acting like a bro dude the 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 bro dude culture in martial arts is something that i think is really pervasive and it's something that's kept women out for so long you know, martial arts as being this kind of, it's, you know, it's about honor, it's can be about loyalty to your school, in that Cobra Kai kind of way. It's, it's, uh, it can be about masculinity and manhood. But it's not so much about networks. And that's what I find really interesting. So I read a line in a, in a novel that I was reading today, it was so beautiful. It was talking about the building of the pyramids. And the line was, you know, men gave their lives to build this huge foundation for a tiny little point that was far away and hard to see. What an amazing description of patriarchal hierarchies <laughs> and capitalist hierarchies. I mean, anything that's a pyramid, and which is what these are. And it's, it's interesting to me thinking about the way that men traditionally are in martial arts, sort of competing with each other and it's always competitive you know even in ninjutsu where we don't have tournaments and stuff there's still a lot of competition oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah on the mats and among different schools you know when i've been training with bujinkan schools you know when you go to those seminars even though they're not supposed to be competitive the shihan of each group is trying to show that their training group is better than the other one but it all ends up in this giant pyramid and what i think is interesting with women is that we tend to create non-pyramidical structures, which I think is more interesting for self-defense because if self-defense or martial arts is focused on one like ultimate point at the top of the pyramid, then everything else is not used and, and useless. Or in service too. 
the top of the pyramid, you know, or in service of the top of yeah, the pyramid, no, right? And, and I think I think honestly, what you're talking about is the very human thing of ranking, which is what people do. Like we do it in society outside of those fears all the time. Like, am I better than this relative, or you know, like who's who's better than this neighbor, you know? And I think that you and I've noticed that when women kind of get in that environment where ranking is is so prominent we start to do it as well and that's something that i've noticed like kind of just with women in martial arts too like maybe we're inherently more geared towards cooperating but the women that get drawn into that those environments tend to be the ones who want to rank more than others you know but when you take us out of it we become more cooperative which is kind of interesting in and of itself. But yeah, that that whole idea, that whole theme, I totally have seen it myself as well. And it happens a lot with belts, which is why I hate belts, but, um, but it does get harped on in the same way. And I think that that culture overall, um, just this kind of like culture of there's glory for the person on top and the rest of us at the bottom are in service to that you know, it's just, it's not helpful, but it's something that that's existed throughout our society. It's funny how it's kind of taking over things like, well, I mean, I can see how BJJ and MMA, particularly those two together, um, have kind of really taken that to the max because they have term tournaments versus even though with what you were saying in our atmosphere, that doesn't have a tournament, it's still happening. It just kind of leaks its way into everything. I, I think I think what's interesting to me about this topic in general, though, is that when these because these these forums basically were established by men mm -hmm. and most martial arts schools, even if a martial arts, you know, the the whole theory of like Wing Chun being invented by Buddhist nuns, which, by the way, is bullshit. It was invented by Chinese opera singers in the 1800s so it's look it up it's really interesting actually but these structures are very you know these very patriarchal structures of there's one person at the top there's the alpha and everybody underneath that where this relates to self-defense for me is the idea that you know most martial arts schools offer self-defense classes and they offer self-defense classes because they want to give to the community. They want to be supportive and interactive in the community. And they want to help women defend themselves, feel empowered. And of course, they usually also want to introduce martial arts to more women because martial arts is great. But they don't seem to translate the idea of, you know, sort of a cooperative environment to self-defense or to martial arts. So maybe you take a really good self-defense class and then you enter this martial arts school and you're like, wow, these guys are really more interested in showing how strong they are or showing how fast they can move, you know, or how excellently they can put someone in a lock or, you know, whatever it is, as opposed to just helping us all learn. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and then there's also the idea that like, they don't want to work with you, you know, everybody <laughs> yeah. wants to work with the biggest, tallest, muscular most meaty guy right because they are the perceived challenge of the group whereas the right. females are not so not only are you starting out at level zero and you're coming in and you have no experience so they don't want to work with you because you're a beginner but also even when you get the experience you're still not the ideal uh training partner for everybody else because you're the tiny 
maybe more stretchy female and it's just not as perceived as like the target or the goal because everybody wants to go for the big guy instead so that, or the, um yeah but what, with, what's so interesting is when i've worked with men especially in a, in the context of self-defense especially men who are really really big they're very conscious of their sides and they're very conscious of the fact that they these are not people inside martial arts but just in general in regular life um, they're very conscious of their size and they're very conscious of the fact that people tend to come up to them and challenge them. So they're usually actually not the challenge. It's usually, you know, it's the, the really big giant guys are usually like, yeah, no, I don't, I seriously do not want to fight. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a really, it's a really interesting thing. So like not using women as a challenge, which is ridiculous because we're actually, much more of a challenge physically to be able to execute the the techniques on you know it's not about forcing or muscling your way through it's about the precision of body dynamics well it's not even that it's also because of the inherent flexibility in the different body types that's really where it presents the challenge is that if you don't know how the technique actually works you can't do it you can't do it and especially you can't do it on a woman they'll just yeah. spin out or they'll just flex out you know and then you're stuck and then you look really bad so I've seen that happen a few times where, right. you know, it's like, oh, well, they're just hard to work with. No, that's <laughs> not it. <laughs> and I guess Marilise can actually speak to that because she's, she's experienced it, too. I have never not experienced it. <laughs> <laughs> she's incredibly flexible, by the way, just FYI. <laughs> well, Shelby's probably more so than I am. I have the Gumby limbs. It's a very different. It's very much perceived the same, but it's a different experience, I think, at the end of the day. Well, I'm flexible, but that doesn't hurt me when they go into like locks and stuff. Whereas you are double jointed in some areas and you, I have hurt you before when we were doing stuff and I pushed you to a level that I thought was okay. And you were like, oh wait, no, that popped it out. And I was like, oh my God, you know? Um, but yeah, it's difference between flexibility and multiple jointedness, weirdness. Yeah. <laughs> but going back to that, to that sort of bro culture thing and the, these ideas of like, you know, the Budo, the, the code of the samurai or the code of, you know, whatever your martial art is, this survivalist, this kind of, and the chivalry that goes along with it, you know, like I've, I've, I study a martial art and I'm, I'm noble and I'm going to jump in to help people or whatever. I think a lot of martial, what I've experienced when I've traveled around and met other martial arts schools, which again are predominantly men, there's this idea of, you know, we're slightly on the edge of society because we're doing this, you know, martial art and, you know, it's supposed to be focused and disciplined and um, even if it's not in the dojo, but that's the, the, public persona that so many people like to um, encourage about martial arts. And, you know, I'm this, I'm this like sort of lone knight in shining armor, you know, with my, with my deadly moves or whatever. And even Mary Lise, we talked about this when you were, um, when we did your interview in the last season about training with Navy SEALs, you know, going in, you know, like running around in the night time and going into people's presumably empty pools or possibly full pools, I don't know, um, to practice ninja skills, which, which again, and it's all very individualistic. And that, this is what I find so interesting about this kind of bro dude mentality in martial arts, this whole idea of things being really individualistic. 
you know, yes, I train in a school. Yes, we have a, a sense of loyalty and camaraderie with each other. But when I walk, I walk alone. You know, me and my sword and my, you know, whatever, whatever it is. That's really interesting. And I wonder if that's, I mean, I don't know, uh, Susie, you might know because you've been out of the U.S. or maybe this is more Western culture idea. But I know in the United States on the West side, I mean, like that's totally a a U.S. component. You know, that's totally a Western, I'm out there doing my thing, you know, just on my own um, bit of culture that we have over here. And so I could see that coming out in the martial arts sphere. Um, definitely, definitely. It's like sort of across the broader culture in the United States, but it's certainly a part of martial arts schools wherever I go. And what I find so fascinating about that is that, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of crossover in that culture. People who, a lot of people who are very enthusiastic about about martial arts are usually enthusiastic about tactical training, survival skills, you know, weapons training, et cetera, et cetera. And sometimes are all the way over to preppers. And what's fascinating to me about this is that in a post-apocalyptic society or non-society, in a post-apocalyptic world, where civilization has completely crashed, the most valuable skill you can have is negotiation. Mm-hmm. You need negotiation skills and you, you need to know how to create a community or at least a network for survival because you really can't survive alone, regardless of you know movies like The Book of Eli and, and The Road and you know, all that other stuff. You actually need a network of people. And I'm going to use this to very awkwardly jump into the BJJ world. Mm-hmm. So Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is, is, it's a fun art. And it's also, you know, a lot of, uh, all Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu people say the same things about it. It's like 3D chess, which it is, it's fun. Um, but they also all say, I just like to choke people. Don't ask. And this really bothers me because Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu also has like a really, you know, they, they teach a lot of self-defense or they offer a lot of self-defense classes to get more women in the door. And what they're overlooking is that choking is the number one way that women are killed in domestic violence situations across the world. But every single BJJ practitioner says this. I just like to choke people. Don't ask. So it creates this weird network that's exclusive to everybody else. And yet BJJ is kind of touted as welcoming and more open and more accessible, even though it's really, 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 really hard to get your blue belt, apparently. It's still that kind of like really massive foundation for a tiny little point that's far away and hard to see. Well, I think that that's a big um, that's a big comparison between things like traditional martial arts, which is what we practice, and non and like competitive martial arts. You know, um, I think that that's kind of, I mean, at at any higher level, you see kind of the art aspect of it. But I think a lot of those people who say that they're kind of at. It seems like that's more something you say when you're at when you're not quite into it as far you know, kind of going in line with what you're saying. It seems like that's just kind of a knee jerk thing to say. Um, And that goes back to the culture, you know, that goes back to the, okay, I'm saying this thing because everyone who says it, it's kind of shocking, but then acceptable. But at the same time, you know, they don't, 
understand that the moral repercussions of the what they're saying because they're into the culture of it. So I read this really great definition of cults or being indoctrinated, which was applied actually to evangelism, which was, you know, you get indoctrinated into this one idea and you're taught what to say and how to talk to people outside of this group, partly to, um, to invite them in. But what you say is actually really obnoxious and most people turn away from it. So that when you go back to your group that gave you these things to say, they're the ones who really understand you. And this is this is part of how people get indoctrinated into things. You know, it's like everybody outside of our group. Yeah, they reject you. They don't like you. They think that what you say is weird or offensive. But within the group, we understand you. We're the only ones who understand you. And this is where I have a really big problem with things, especially with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, because it is so much like this because of the, I just like to choke people, which I find as a self-defense teacher, extremely offensive, especially when women say it. But I think uh, to kind of bring us back to the, the actual culture of it, I think the whole reason why we're even seeing this is because of the work in the 80s and 90s when it came to men's groups trying to identify toxic masculinity, which I didn't realize was something that men came up with, not women. I thought it was part of something that women had you know, invented while seeing it, but nope, because they were trying to challenge cultural aspects uh, to masculinity and how it was hurting them. So I think that it, we see that now and it's like somewhat identifiable. We can say, okay, these things hurt people. You know, these things aren't helpful, but a lot of times it seems like the reason why people start digging into that stuff is because they don't have anything of substance. And that kind of goes back to what you said about a good teacher. You know, a good teacher will give you more the underlying understanding, the depth, not just the superficial understanding, which is what mm -hmm. I think we're hearing when we hear people say, oh, I really like to choke or, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, you know, I, my husband and I joke about stuff like, like I said, beating each other up, but I would imagine that would be offensive to someone who maybe experienced domestic violence. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that if you guys say that, it's not like literally hundreds of thousands of people are repeating that same thing. No, no. As, as a code word of, I practice this particular martial art. So that's where, and, and you're not saying, you know, my husband and I like to beat each other up. <clears throat> Come take a self-defense class with us. Like these, these two, these no, two that's not the gateway not, drug. <laughs> right. So it's, it's, and, and that's why I have such an issue with it, you know, and where I have an issue with this. And, and this does come from this sort of bro dude culture. Whereas, you know, if toxic masculinity and, and, you know, it's kind of the growth of martial arts, especially in the U.S. in the 80s as a as a counterpoint to that, as a way to find another way to to define masculinity or manhood then turns into. But we have these code words and these code words are all about violence, but we want to teach you self-defense. That poses a really big problem. I really would love to see more and more women learning martial arts because I think that there's so much to get out of it. It's not just the physical, it's the other things that I spoke about as well. But when you have these massive organizations saying stuff like, you know, yes, we'll teach you, we'll teach you self-defense, but also I really like to choke people. It, it kind of defeats the purpose for me and it ends up pushing women away. Like if, if I don't care what martial art 
any woman wants to join. It doesn't have to be ninjutsu. It could be anything that appeals to you because not every martial art appeals to every person. But there's this sort of disconnect from so many martial arts schools and, and specifically from Brazilian. So taking MMA out because that is about fighting. But, but like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or certain forms of Kung Fu or Sistema or whatever it is, it's, it's, um, there's so much about it that's like, you know, yes, I want to teach you self-defense, but in the same sentence, I'm going to talk about how much I love violence. Well, I think that's also like a general problem with self-defense overall is is that uh, even using self-defense as a gateway into martial arts, you know, because it's it's a different thing. It really is. I mean, there's overlay, but it's not the same. And to keep acting like, oh, we're going to we're going to we're going to advertise women's self-defense because that's how you're going to get women in the door has always been a flawed idea because like, why would you assume that women don't want to just do a martial art? You know, why would you make that assumption? Because there's so many women I know who are very interested in martial arts and either got pushed out because what they do as a woman was not valued or, you know, or, you know, they, they go in and they get completely, uh, I don't want, I, I don't know if I'd say broed out, but definitely patriarchied out of the thing that they really love. Yeah, right. I really agree with that. I don't know. I think it's funny I, that guys rolling all over the ground with each other is all of a sudden like the most masculine thing you can do. Yeah, I know. I was like, <laughs> sure. You sure about that? Okay. Yeah. Oh, I think <laughs> one other thing that we didn't touch on that I think is interesting and worth pointing out is the idea that also these guys don't want to beat up on women or train with women, I think to some degree, because they're taught that you don't touch women, you don't hurt them. So it looks like an unmasculine thing to do if you kick the woman in your training. So you're going to go softer on her and you're going to try to avoid training with her because it's going to hurt your own masculine image. It goes hand in hand with the trying to get the big guy in the room, but it's another Mm -hmm. reason to avoid women that's different than the guy walks in and goes for the biggest because he's the biggest. It could just be he's the only not female in the room. Right, right. Um, I mean, to me, there's a really close relationship to the idea of like, you know, well, you don't wear a short skirt because I can't control myself. Yeah. So to me, there's a parallel between those two attitudes, although it would take more time than we have right now to make that connection. (laughs) Pretty Deadly Self-Defense is a self-defense program based in Berlin, but with coaches and trainers in a growing number of cities in Europe and around the world. If you want to join us just to take a course or to become a coach, a trainer, or even offer Pretty Deadly in your school or studio, let us know through our website at prettydeadlyselfdefense.com or find us through our app. Just search for Pretty Deadly Self-Defense in your favorite app store and download for free. And remember that all of our paid programs fund our volunteer work. So when you empower yourself, you're actually empowering another woman, too. Thanks for being here. I'm Susie Colick, and you've been listening to the Pretty Deadly Podcast. See you next week.